Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. It really is a joy to be here, to see you guys and guys online. Well, let me get this off my chest. When I saw your tagline, Build the City, as an old uncle, I will remember the Jefferson Starship song, I Built the City on. But more recently, I think of the Daredevil series on Netflix, um, which you take the violence aside, it has some of the most Christian elements I've seen, actually, in the series. But he says, I want to make this city a better place. Oh, that's this tagline of Daredevil. But I know your assignment is from the Lord. To build a city is an assignment from the Lord. And I think if there's any place that needs to know that God is real, and God is love, and God is grace, and God wants to give you your best life, it is the city. I don't think it's an easy calling, but I think this is a critical calling. And seeing all the things you guys are doing, I mean, how people know God exists and what God is like, it is through you guys. I mean, it's, we are God's representatives. God is spirit, you can't see, but God indwells us, and we bring and mediate His presence and His love and His power into the city. And I, I pray that God will continue to strengthen you and encourage you all, because I know this will not be an easy calling. But through the years, I've heard lives being touched through your ministry, and uh, I have some old friends here, and hopefully many new friends. And really, it's a, a privilege for me to be here today. Uh, let, let me just pray, and let's see what God has to say for us. Father, we live in strange times, Lord. It's often not business as usual. But in times of change, Lord, we know that you never change. And that you love us and you are sovereign and you are on your throne and you are working out your purposes. So as your children, it's such a privilege to assemble and to raise songs unto you. To acknowledge your greatness and your love and to acknowledge our surrender afresh unto you. And now as your children wait upon you, Abba Father, uh, speak to us. Give us teachable hearts, open ears to hear what you have for us. For I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think 1977 was a key year in my life. When you look back on your life, there are certain things that stand up. And 1977, I was in my final year of dental school. By some great miracle, I managed to enter then University of Singapore Dental School. It was my first time away from home. I'm from Penang, and a bit of Penang slang may come up once in a while. And here I was, uh, some great miracle, because my A-levels were not hot at all, but those days, everybody wanted to be doctor, nobody wanted to be dentist, so now change already. Now, uh, so I managed to get a place in dental school. 1977 was my final year. I was to graduate in 78. So one day I was back in Penang on holiday, and uh, after a prayer meeting, those days Wednesday night prayer meeting. Uh, I don't know why, but I would never say, but Wednesday night is the prayer meeting night. And, uh, and because we are Baptists, we are not as serious like the Pentecostals. So we, we believe in, in, in prayer and feasting, not prayer and fasting. So after prayer meeting, sure, go Gurney Drive to have supper. So, okay. Oh, same, okay. I'm glad you guys have seen the light here. But, uh, and... Uh, no, I was out with a bunch of my friends and my spiritual mentor. And uh, 
for the longest time, my heart was very burdened that the quality of teaching in the churches wasn't too hot. They were very serious about evangelism. People were coming to know the Lord, but the teaching very poorly. So that bugged me a lot. No? That really bugged me a lot. And so I was out uh, for supper, nighttime, Gurney Drive, and I, I, I voiced this to my mentor. I said, Roger, Jesus is uh, supposed to be the head of the church. Uh. And how come he's failing in his job? He's not calling out enough pastors. The need is so obvious. What's Jesus doing? He's the head of the church. So Roger looked at me and said, actually, the Lord is calling, but his people are not responding. You, for example, wow, final year dental school. And it was like a prophetic arrow to the heart. I mean, so my first thought is my parents are going to kill me because I come from a very small family. It's my younger sister and myself. And my dad were all lower middle class. They struggled through life. They worked so hard to put me through university. I mean, if, in those days, it was a Paranakan family from Penang. You got 10 children, nine doctors, maybe one pastor. Lah. The one whose grades not so hot, one can be the pastor. But, <laughs> but you've got one son, lah. all the family hopes, you know, because wow, in my immediate family, also only one has some kind of doctor kind of possibility. Then this also called doctor. And uh, now it's going to report to them, say, oh, God wants me to be a pastor. What? Wow, I know they'll be deeply disappointed. Although they were believers, I wouldn't say it's because they had no faith or what, because they went through World War II. They suffered like crazy. They don't want their children to suffer. I wouldn't want to frame it that, oh, they have no faith. Or, I mean, you, haven't, you don't know how much they suffered. Lah. So they wanted their children to be more established, you know, safer, more secure. So I, I knew it was going to be really rough. And uh, then for the first time, I had to take this calling thing seriously. No, what, what's this calling thing? Because am I meant to be a dentist or am I meant to be a pastor? Now suddenly got implications really. It's not just some kind of uh, academic discussion. Yeah. And uh, how does one know and decide these things? You know? And it's not because I thought the pastorate was more holy than the den dentist. God needs different people doing different things for the kingdom. So it's not that we need the best people in the ministry church-related ministry, but we need the best people everywhere. You know? God needs everyone doing different things out in the marketplace, in the family. So it, I never thought of it like you know, more spiritual. You know? You've got toothache, huh? I promise you, huh, you want a spiritual dentist, huh? I tell you, if you've got toothache. Huh? So some, thank, thank God for some of my friends who are spiritual dentists, who, my classmates huh, who now treat me when I have a teeth. <laughs> but then the point is, it's not a matter of which is spiritual, which is more spiritual. What does God want me to do with my life? So when you are in your 20s, your life is ahead of you, this is a major question. Lah. And so this began my journey of grappling with the whole question of calling, thinking about calling. And I want to say that the word calling and vocation actually means the same thing. <clears throat> vocation comes from the Latin, calling comes from English. But basically, it means someone is calling you to do something. Lah. There's a caller, the callee, and then the, the word you got, the calling, the caller, callee, calling. Toy. Uh, the, the three C's, uh, caller, calling, uh, caller, callee, calling. So in our context, it'd be God calling us to do something. God giving us an assignment. So that, that is the, the background of this discussion. And I think it's something we need to revisit once in a while because I don't think God is, in, is into mass production. Uh, each of us have our own unfolding story, our own calling. And 
I don't want to put people under pressure. Oh, you don't know what's my calling. I, I think we are saved by grace, not because you know your calling. But one life to live, I want to live my life as significantly as I can. Lah. And one way is to have a greater clarity of how God has hotwired me and what he wants me to do. So I'll share a few principles. I actually have a whole book on this, but I'll just share a few principles today for us to, to reflect. And the first thing I want to say, actually, our first call is to follow Christ. That's Mark 8.34. Our first call is to follow Christ. Don't, don't talk about secondary call first. Your specific job is what I call a secondary call. The first call is the call to follow Christ. And we see, for example, in, in, in Mark 8.34, you know, this... Uh, one way that this call is mentioned in the gospel is Mark 8.34, which I was so surprised. It's also a major theme of your worship this morning, surrender. I tell you, I've noticed this. No? Some of you never talk to the worship team or the Holy Spirit interweave all things together. So today the theme was make room in your space for God to do what he wants to do. So uh, Mark 8, he called the crowd along with the disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Because we are so used to Billy Graham, which is invite Jesus into your heart. No, like Jesus is quite small, huh? to fit into your heart. I don't know. But to be frank, God has used that invitation to save many lives. Okay? Yeah. But uh, Jesus' own words huh, is not, hey, you invite me to come into your life, but rather, uh, come follow me. The Revelation 1 is actually inviting the church to come in and renew the church. Revelation 3.20. That's, uh, but... Jesus' own words, hey, you want to be my disciple or not, uh, you take up your cross and follow me. Which actually is a bit scary because the cross is always a symbol of death. Always. For the Roman, and Roman context. But what, at first scary, but what Jesus is inviting us is to die to what is false so that you can make room for what is true. To die to what is death-giving so that we can embrace what is life-giving. Then okay, lo, right? We die to what is wrong to embrace what is right. Cannot be both. La. So take out your cross is to die, but to die to bad stuff so I can embrace all that God wants to give you. But that is our first calling. Our first calling is to follow Christ. So before we get very excited about my specific calling, really, if you get this first calling right, you've got passing mark already. La. Because this is the first calling, to follow Jesus. We know we do it through grace. I don't want to imply that it is by following that we get saved. We are saved by grace, but we are saved to follow Jesus. I mean, this is our calling. There's a certain relationship we have with the Lord. Jesus is your Savior and Lord. Not that we do it perfectly or what, but this is the orientation of our life, to follow Jesus. And because we follow Jesus, God, we are called to follow Jesus, then of course we are called to share the gospel, for example. You don't need to have a special calling to share the gospel. We all as followers of Jesus, got to share the reality of God in this broken world. We are called to be salt and light, huh, where God has put us. We are called to love our family. We are, we are called to help build the church so that the church can be God's agent of the kingdom. So I'm saying that once you understand that you are called to follow Jesus, many things you don't have to wait for special call. One, huh. This is part and package, part of the package of being a follower of Jesus. Because that's why some people don't even believe that there's such a thing as a specific call. They say, you just, you just have to follow Follow Jesus only. And there's some truth in that. But my point being that, that God doesn't mass produce, it'd be all differently. And so we do have to invite the question, uh, what then in this act of following Jesus are my specific duties? It seems that God's way is, you know, he has a mission. He raises up a community to do that mission. But different people in the community got different jobs. 
So the first mission given to humankind is to multiply and fill the earth. Huh? Then the first community is Adam and Eve. And <coughs> Adam and Eve got to do different things to make baby. Lah, huh? Different jobs to do. Leh. Don't talk about cloning. Huh? And that, that's the picture. So in the New Testament, God raises up the church. The church is like a body, and the different parts of the body got different jobs to do. So there is seem to be a, a principle, uh, mission, community, different people got different jobs to do. So we then talk about our second call, second call to the specific work that God has called us to do. But if we haven't surrendered the first call, you can't do the second call. It's because I'm surrendered to Christ, I'm following Christ, then I ask the Lord, okay, Lord, you, any special assignment for me? You cannot jump straight to the second call. Some people are very curious, what is my specific call? But they haven't really surrendered their life to Jesus, so that is the wrong sequence. I take it that you have a heart which is already surrendered to God. Lah, eh? Surrendered to God already. Eh? And then now, as we follow the Lord, and the Lord says, well, what, what, what exactly do you want me to do? You know, what, any, any special assignment for me? So that is the second call. And you can ask, hey, Sweena, God, God, Bible teach this. No? Is this just some new thing? So I always point, point to two passages. One is the Jeremiah one. Jeremiah 1, verses uh, 4. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So it seems that if God has some idea to make you a... Uh, so existence and vocation seems to be interlinked. So you are not in on this earth by accident. You are here, God created you, and got some job for you. So existence implies vocation. I think of a, a friend who came from a very poor family, and he was the youngest, and when he was conceived, they were thinking of aborting him. And again, I'm totally against abortion. But the things before we talk, sometimes we must know the struggles of the poor. Huh? Have some empathy, lah. Even as we maintain a stance of pro-life, we got to know how tough people's life are. So they tried to abort him, but everything they do, he won't die, you know. Maybe it was in some small village, they go and try some village ways of killing babies, and it didn't work. So he got born, no. Existed, and now years later, he's a top-notch lawyer, church leader. He's making so much impact for the kingdom. So it means. You exist, huh? you're here, means God got purpose for you. Existence implies vocation. But you may say, but this is for prophet, ma. Jeremiah prophet, I only regular guy only. Maybe only for special people in God's purpose, then only God. Then I say, aha, I turn you to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 8 to 10. Uh, then we see how this can actually be applied to everyone. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 8 onwards, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And I want to make it clear again, we are not looking for vocation so that we can earn brownie points with God. You are saved through faith. Uh, and this is not from yourself, it's the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. But then verse 10 says, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ to do good works that God prepared in advance for you to do. It means when God had an idea to create you and to save you, huh? He got works prepared for you to do already, uh, in advance. Huh? An implication is that it's a road that you are meant to walk. That is the Greek implication. You already got some road for you, the things you need to do, huh? one road prepared for you. Then you cannot say, oh, yeah, this is only for special people like prophet, because Ephesians 2 is talking about all those who are in Christ, which means all of us. Lah, huh? 
So what is maybe exemplified by Jeremiah, in the New Testament we see now, actually it's for all of us. I need to say this because we live in a world where it seems that some people are more important than others, right? Out in the world, out in the city, you know. What, what rank are you? you know, are you manager? What? Whereas in God's kingdom, everyone is equally important. Never forget that. So some of you may say, yeah, God has some mission for me. Some of you, who am I? I'm nobody. This is not kingdom thinking. Our roles may be different. Some may be more high profile, low profile, but that, that is not how God looks at people. So as we talk about calling today, I'm going to say that I'm talking to everybody. Everybody. Because this 210 is for all those who are in Christ. Ma. Ephesians is about those who are in Christ. So let me quote from Gordon T. Smith. For each individual, there's a specific call, a defining purpose or mission, a reason for being. Every individual is called of God to respond through service in the world. Each person has a unique calling in this second sense. First sense is follow Jesus. Second sense is your specific assignment. Uh, we cannot understand the second except in the light of the first. Because you're not following Jesus, you won't bother with this. Huh? But then if you're following Jesus, your first call, then this makes sense. When we fulfill our specific vocation, we are living out the full implications of what it means to follow Jesus. That means we follow Jesus with who you are. We don't follow Jesus in some generic sense. Uh, you and I different, uh, different gender, different gifts, different burdens. We can talk a bit more on this. So we follow Jesus not in some generic sense, but with who you are. And we all are different. God has hotwired us differently. So we are called to follow Jesus, but then the whole discussion about calling is because we are called to follow Jesus with who we are. So I think the Christian faith above all must affirm the individual. We affirm the community, we affirm the individual. Some places, all you're just some part of some huge program. Nobody knows you, one. Eh? It's not Christianity. Lah. And I'm glad your church has a bias to care and to listen to the individual. And we must continue. Because it's always a lot of waste of time. Eh? So much. Please take time to listen to individuals. Oh. Whereas I can minister to millions one shot. Eh? But I said, this is God's way. Eh? God, Jesus always walk around talking to individuals that Christ wants to encounter the individual. And so we want to help people in our community grow in greater clarity of who we are in Christ and what assignment He may have had for us. So which brings me to my third point. Okay, la, you know, so I have some special calling, uh, but how to find out? How to find out? I can't Google what is my calling. Maybe you can, I don't know what that is. But, um, how, how do I know my calling? So let me say up front that some of us will receive dramatic callings. Dramatic supernatural calling. Like Paul like that, no? he go and go and then light shine on you. Ching, I want you to be a, no? apostle to the Gentile. Ching. So maybe you're driving along the PIE one day. Ching. I want you to go to Bhutan. Huh? Bhutan. Ah. Ching. So let me say that this does happen. For some and usually for the tougher callings, God does give supernatural dramatic callings. I, I'm not saying this doesn't happen. But I suspect for most of us, it's growing awareness through three clues. So we move on to point three. He gives us three clues to find our calling, our abilities, our burdens, and our critical defining moments. So our, our abilities, uh, this principle, I think, is articulated in, in 1 Peter uh, 4.10 that... Uh, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards 
of God's grace in its various forms. Of course, this is talking more about spiritual gifts. And, and I don't confuse natural abilities and spiritual gifts. I don't lump them together. Natural ability is what we have because we were born with it. So it's because of our creation. But spiritual gifts are what we have because of our salvation. The Holy Spirit now indwells us and manifests. So I don't want to confuse the two. Some writing is kind of confuse the two. I say, no, no. One is there because of our creation. One is there because of our salvation. They're not the same thing. But I also want to say that both also from God lah, and both also for other people. Lah. So although I don't uh, lump the two together, I, I think there is uh, also the realization that everything is from God and for others, whether it's my natural. Natural also, I surrender to God. Uh, spiritual gift, surrender to God. God, how can you use these things to be a good steward of your grace to bless people? So ability A means that as we move on in life, we kind of get a feeling of what we do better than other things. Each of us have different things. Some work better with their hands, some work better with ideas, some work better with people or some combination. We, as we move along in life through our formal and informal education, we have some rough idea what, what we do well. So I remember when I was in SEC 1, they, I think it's crazy, they gave us some carving tools to do carving. What happened was that I, I poked myself in the, the blood, you know, and uh, panicked my parents and teacher. But I, so I said, hmm, maybe I'm not called to be a sculptor. I don't think so, you know? quite bloody. But then uh, my, form, my SEC 1 teacher said, I think you have some gifts in writing and teaching. So he go and told me, pushed me to go and do some public speaking, which, to be frank, scared the heck out of me. The first time I went to have public speaking, I was so nervous, the saliva flooded my mouth, nothing came out. And when you are in sec one, your friends will never let you forget that, right? Ha, 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 can I speak? Ha, ha. But then the teacher was very kind, and the importance of having mentors, he was very kind, and said, no, you were very nervous, but let me tell you this and that. Then now, years later, I'm talking so much. So, what, what is it you do best? Now, you probably won't ask me to take care of the accounts of your church, like, because in three days you get bankrupt. I, I see figures and my eyes glaze up, no figures. So you won't. Uh. So, but I think hopefully I get a chance to preach and teach. Uh, that's probably what my gifting is, and I want to be a good steward of my gifting. But different people have different giftings, and so... And also say, as human beings, we are very adaptable. Some things we are not that good at doing, we can learn to do because we need to. I don't, I don't want our calling to be our prison. Life is very dynamic. There are times when I was a widower, I was a single parent, I had to do the family accounts, but nobody do it. So I had to learn to do it. So I say we are all human beings. God has made us flexible. We can pick up things when we have to. But I think as life goes on, you must have some rough idea what, what is your primary strength. And this we can work through with mentors, asking the Lord. Because also sort of a test on computer, you can do it like that. But you can have growing awareness of what your primary strength is. And then to be a good steward of that strength. You know? So that's A is, is, is ability. So I think, like I said, for me, it's preaching. It's very interesting. I can preach three, four sermons in a row. I'm tired in a different way. I think you do counseling for three, four people in a row, which I do and I have to sometimes. Oh, I'm tired. So to use uh, Pentecostal speak, when I'm preaching, I'm flowing along my anointing. Is that correct? Is that correct? Uh, uh, when I'm preaching, I'm flowing in my anointing. When I'm counselling, uh, not so anointed, but still have to do <laughs> So, what is your 
primary strength, whether it's natural or supernatural, whatever, but I surrender back to God to bless people. So I think as you move along in life, you should have some growing awareness of what you, you do best. The B is probably the most important, and what is your primary burden? There are many needs in this broken world. But I find that certain needs seem to weigh heavier in each of our hearts, comparatively. So for me, my burden was poor teaching in the church. That really bugged me. So all this brokenness in the world, you good to ask, what bugged you? What makes you angry? So when I share with people, I say, oh, I'm really burdened, the poor teaching in the church. Then, church, 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 you know how many people out there never even hear the gospel once? Why are you so obsessed with the church? Oh, I got scolded. And then, then I realized they're burdened different. They were burdened for those who never heard the gospel at all. So who is right and wrong? Of course, it's a stupid question. Both are important. But my point is different people. Then they said, you talk about all these things. Uh, climate change coming. Uh, Singapore will be drowned in water. Uh, no one can hear the gospel. Uh, you're not helping climate change. Uh. Okay, well then, the different burden, climate change. Uh. So I, I realized, no, what is your primary burden? Uh, some of my friends really have a burden to practice good dentistry for people's oral health. Seriously. And that is their burden. So I think God's heart is uh, very big. Uh. None of us can individually absorb the totality of God's heart. Uh. So He gave one piece to you, one piece to me, different things. Uh. So all of us should be concerned for all of God's concerns. Okay, I'm, I'm not saying that we should pick and choose and don't care. I mean, of course, I care for evangelism. I care for climate change. I care. But my primary burden is teaching in the church. Lah. So the confluence of your ability and your burden is a good sign of what you might want to invest more of your time in. Lah. C will be the critical life incidents. Now, each of us, this is where it's good to listen. I wish I could sit down with each of you and you tell me your, your timeline and see what are the things that have happened to you, good and bad, critical incidents. That's why Ishwa's story is unique one. That one, there's no book. Because your story is your story, is your story, all different one. So this one, at some point, it's good to do this kind of, of exercise. Perhaps you've done it before, to hear your, your life story, what happened in the past, both good and bad, to see whether got any clues or not that God has thrown into your story. Yeah. Because when you read a storybook, uh, things happen. And uh, then when you reach the last chapter, oh, no wonder you put this part in chapter 6. Uh. No? When you read a book, you know, you, you know this is happening. So what are the things that God has thrown you? Of course, you're older, your story longer. Uh. A few volumes. No? But if you are younger, maybe you're conscious. But let's begin to be conscious uh, of the hand of God in your life. At least let's begin the journey. Uh. So for me, one critical incident would be this supper. Uh. We changed my life. Go for supper, then get ambushed by God. What? I just want good great tongue, ambushed by God. What the? <laughs> After prayer meeting, go pray, poof, ambushed by God. No, no, God. You haven't responded. It really turned my life upside down. I did finish my dentistry. I practiced for three years because I didn't want to be, for me, a pastor who had no idea of the struggles of working life. So three years, not very long, but at least it's something. Then I went to seminary and my life was in that direction. But another critical incident would be a, a time in a, a, a team from the John Wimber group. Those of you, you're all too young. The John Wimber group uh, has this third wave that tried to combine evangelical theology with Pentecostal practice. And this is my church in Penang. I was pastoring the church. So this team related to this group came and they ministered. And of course, must have prophetic words. One. Must. Uh, I can't do that. It's not my anointing. But, but uh, so the one person prays. And it's more powerful if they never met you before. Oh, even more drama. Swin, uh, I saw you up there breaking bread and I had this. The Lord told me that you have the gift of prophecy. I said, yes! Gift of prophecy. 
but, but it's not the thus saith the Lord type. It's prophetic teaching. Teaching only. Uh. Doesn't sound very drama, man. I want to be one of those got special words. One, there's somebody here from Sengkang with a yellow shirt. God wants to heal your left elbow. Come forward now. I can't do that. I'm prophetic teaching, I'm boring. But then through the years, I realized, hey, teaching is important. <laughs> because other people got healing one word, they pray things happen, all that. Then, prophetic teaching. But that was a critical incident. In fact, another team came about three years later who also don't know me, don't know this first team. Also, Suin, you have to give of yes, yes, prophetic teaching. Both anointed groups, the same word, cannot run away. So, that has been my life, teaching the word. Not just generally, but maybe in a way that penetrates the heart. So that's generic. Not just generic teaching, but prophetic teaching. Yeah. And, and long, I think all of us growing up, we have to be at home with who we are, la, that with God created us. La. Don't compare. La. Hey, how come five talents, he got ten talents? God knows what he's doing. La. You have to trust that. And so your calling is a calling. Some may be more drama, some less drama, but God doesn't judge people like that. One, Everything is important. La. That's why I said Paul would say, you know, the hidden parts of the body, nobody sees one actually more important. La. So when we reach heaven, then we know la, what is the importance of everyone. We live in a society that really glorifies spectacular. But God doesn't see it that way. He sees faithfulness. So be, be who you are. Don't compare. And let's affirm each other. Sometimes we buy into this too. We only affirm certain people only. No, we affirm everybody. We use God's way of measurement. Everyone is important. So, what are the three things ABC coming out in the exam? <laughs> Ability, burden, and critical incidents. So burden, I would say like Moses. From young, he was burdened for Israel to be free of slavery. Of course, when he was 40, he hero going buggy people. That. Then God said, you have to learn to do this in my power, not in your power. So 40 years, going to take care of the sheep. Then in terms of uh, critical incidents, I would say it's the Genesis where Joseph, you know, where when the father died, now the brother's panic about Chamleau. He's going to come and get revenge on us. And he says, am I in the place of God? What you plan for evil, God planned for good. But then that means he's able to look back on his life and see the hand of God, the critical incidents. So imagine if Joseph had become the most powerful person in Egypt without all this humbling, I'd die. How many of us can handle authority like that? So God had to humble him. Got into slavery. No, cocky young guy got into slavery. lah. Then rise up a bit, then encountered desperate housewives. So then go into the prison, prison become the chief of the prison people. Then the, the promise to tell the king for God. Wow, this one very breaking. Uh. Many people would have broken, uh, but he continued to have faith in God and he was. So sometimes God may not allow you to do your ministry until he has broken you. We're very impatient. What to do, what to do for God? God said, hey, wait, wait, let me do something in you first. So let's be patient on God's timing. God may want to shape our character first before he can entrust you with something. Which may mean sometimes he has to do something that you don't like to do. Oh, this is part of the shaping. So ABC is what? Ability, burden, and critical defining moments of your life. And this I like to do in a workshop setting where we can do some reflection on these three things.
Um, so the two things we can do to find these three things is solitude and community. Actually, I don't think God is trying to hide from you. He wants to talk to you, but you are so busy and noisy, you cannot get the word through. So he wants to tell you, uh, your calling is, uh, excuse me, I, I got a meeting. Uh, no, your calling is, so are we actually uh, staying still and quiet enough to hear God or not? In all, all, all activism, man. We, we prove our spirituality by how busy we are. So no space for God to have a word in HY. So maybe shut up and just be quiet before the Lord. Hey, don't waste the COVID. We have some tired quiet before the Lord and say, Lord, I, I surrender to you. The songs we sang, I make space for you to do what you want, what you want me to do. So let's be quiet before the Lord. But we also need community because the danger is we sometimes make God say what we want to hear. Also possible. Lah. So we need, the Lord often speaks through community, not just through individual encounter. You need both. So I remember there's a time I was discerning between two ministry situations. One was more pastoral, one was more teaching. So my friends all helped to pray with me. Then one of them said, Suin, I've been thinking about this. I think as a pastor, you only so-so only. But I think you're a better teacher. I think you should take the teaching position. So what was my reaction? What do you mean so-so only? I'm a good pastor, man. What the... Well, then, no, this is a church I cannot say bad words. Then, uh, what you imagine on my phone? Then, uh, what we pray about it and I said, yeah, Chala, that he's right. Lah. I think I'm better as a teacher than as a pastor. Of course, a teacher has to do pastoral work and a pastor has to teach, but it's a matter of choosing between various ministry positions and getting greater clarity of who you are, which goes back to the prophetic teaching again, cannot escape. So, I need community to help me. Do you, need, do you have honest friends in your life who can be trusted to tell you what the Lord says and what you want to hear? Go on, not. You go on, not. Some friends, they don't want to offend you, so they just tell you what you want to hear. But there are some true friends who really seek the Lord and tell you what. Of course, you have to discern uh, whether it's from the Lord or not, but I need friends like that. There's one, uh, uh, this crazy idea that I should go to Oxford and do PhD. Because I went to a seminary where many of the professors, the Packer, all that were from PhD from Oxford. So, Sometimes you want to copy your heroes. So I think, so my third year of seminary, I, said, hmm, I think I should go to Oxford and do a PhD. So I told, asked one of my mentors, one of my teachers actually, he said, you are PhD, uh, a bit of a stretch. La. I said, maybe a more practical degree. Ah, yes, I think that's more suitable for you. Fortunately, because even the demon almost died. PhD should die. So, but these are people who don't care about your ego or what. They are there in love to speak truth to you. So discerning, calling two things, solitude before God and community that will speak truth to you. Then you get greater clarity of your ABC. Let's, let's not do this journey alone. It's too important to do alone. But again, all this takes time. You wish can some prophetic word then finish ready. Uh, that can happen, but I'm just saying that for most of us, it's a growing realization of who we are and how God has made us. So let's carve out that time, be quiet before God. Let's surround ourselves with the two or three good spiritual friends who really love you and love the Lord and will tell you the truth. But my last point is this. One extreme is they don't care about calling. The other extreme is they build their life around their calling. Also dangerous. You can make your calling your idol. This is the other extreme. 
So I think of my wife, Bernice, who's actually, the, I think, the best editor. I'm not, I'm not biased. The best editor. But when her children were very young, she's home homemaker, take care of the kids. So that is under following Jesus. Remember, following Jesus had to be loving your family. So she put the calling on the, on the shelf, so to speak, so that she can care for her children. And that's the right thing to do. And my first wife died of cancer. And that last year, most of my time was spent caring for her. Get oxygen, la, morphine, doctor, whatever. I didn't carry out my prophetic teaching. No? I had to care for her. So this is my word to you that Jesus gives you your calling, but also Jesus also gives you direction how to apply that calling. You know the two extremes? We both up about calling, which I think is a waste because each of us are unique, but not so get so high on calling that you build a life around the calling. Also dangerous, you build a life around Christ. Christ gives you an assignment, but any chapter of life, you also seek Him, how you want me to do this calling thing, Lord? So you say, okay, 80%, 40%, or this, I need you to do these other things as well, or whatever. So, most of Christian life is got to be dynamic. Lah, huh? It's not some static thing, I get my assignment six years ago, and then I don't have to seek the Lord anymore. Christian life is not like that. We, we follow God closely, and life is dynamic. You know? Things may change at different chapters, and then we, we hear His voice, and walk close to Him, walk close to the Lord, not just, uh, just get some assignment 10 years ago, then never seek the Lord anymore. Then it doesn't work that way. Lah. We have to keep close to God, hence the importance of worship, personal time with God, a real relationship. We ask the boss, no? you give me the calling, what I want to do? You know, what I want to do? And, and we run with that. So let me just close with two stories. Um, in my case, God called me from dentistry to be a pastor, to be a Bible teacher. But there was one guy who was called to be a banker. And he was a very young bank director at his first bank director's meeting. He's the youngest, huh? youngest, so many senior directors. And the bank was discussing the future of the bank. And they were going to put some things in place that would make a lot of profit but treat the workers very poorly. So he felt as a Christian, as a representative of God, he needed to say something. You cannot quote Bible, ma. this is a bank meeting. So he expected to be shot down. He said, guys, we are a bank, we are not a charity, we need to make profit. Can we do it in such a way? that takes better care of our people. And to his utter shock, the mood of the meeting changed and they adopted a position much more humane. Lagi was, uh, lagi crazy, after the meeting, the CEO put arm around him and said, I'm glad you spoke up. So I tell you, not every story got a happy ending, but the point is to call to be faithful. He heard the spirit prompting, he opened up his mouth. My other story, uh, one minute. Uh, the other story, this is so stressful. 53 seconds, oh my god. <laughs> okay, anyway, uh, my time is up, I'm sorry. Uh, no, okay. This is uh, a lady who is a hairdresser in the heartland. I know because I heard her myself. So she had much formal education, she's a hairdresser, and, but she became a Christian, ambushed by Jesus. Now she wants to bring Christ into her hairdressing. So she the clients who came to her, she really makes sure their hair looks nice and their scalp is healthy. That's basic, right? You're going to be doing great things for God, but people got lousy hair. You are called to be a hairdresser, ma. Hello. So she did a very good job as a hairdresser. But she, because she's a Christian, she cared for her clients. She listened to them. And I tell you, uh, shampoo place uh, can be a place of counselling, you know. Huh? Huh? You're looking up and then... 
you know uh, my husband uh, mm-hmm. yeah yeah yes yeah. so they, they, they all felt that she really loved them that she, they were not just clients they were people and she helped to minister to many people and you wouldn't be surprised that she led some of them to the Lord and disciple them I say this because sometimes people associate calling only with bank directors. Or whatever. I mean, wherever God calls you, grab driver, whatever. Where can I bring Christ into where God has called me? Don't, don't think only on this, this high polluting jobs only. You know, wherever God has called you. Where has God called you? Embrace that and bring Christ into that. Now. So this had, so she brought them to the Lord, man. At the end of the day, secular, sacred, all that seamless one. Now. We bring God into everything. Now. Which includes doing good hair, lah. You know, it's lousy hair, but I want to share with you the four spiritual laws. You have to really care for good hair, and then you care for people, and people respond to your love. And she led them to the Lord, disciples, some of them. I know because I heard her myself, I heard the testimony. And she was very creative. She even put things on her ceiling. Because when you shampoo time, you look up, right? The Lord knows every hair on your head. Wow. You know what this tells me that she's not lazy. She's thinking about how she can bring Christ into where she is. So if God has called you to be a hairdresser, got some tips already, huh? Oh, you're already a bank director, also got some tips already, huh? So some of us are called into vocational church work. And we need our best people there. Please don't don't let me say that. But not, not how many of us will go into vocational church work? But where has God asked you to be? What has God asked you to do? I have a whole host of stories from T- uh, IT to Grab Driver. I have all sorts of stories uh, next time. Uh. But uh, wherever God has called you, you embrace that and bring Christ into that as a representative of Christ. In the city, city that's where people the, need the most to hear there's grace. The city is so competitive and killing place. Uh, can be. Uh. They need to know of grace and love. And that's your calling. So some of you, the Lord has already made clear what your calling is. Maybe some of you are scared and resisting it. But maybe you have to, the Lord is saying, if you embrace my calling, you will be blessed. The enemy always tells you, wow, carry cross. No, la, when you embrace the purposes of God, you will have joy. Don't listen to the enemy's con job. So, of course, some of you already know your calling, but you're resisting for some reason. Maybe let's have a personal chat about that. But we never lose one la, when we do what God wants. La. God will bless you and through you bless others. So some of you already know. Some of you don't know. Then begin the journey. Lo. I said, Lord, I want to be your person. Show me how I to invest my life. No? Suddenly, one day I'm 25, one day, suddenly I'm 66. Where did life go to? Huh? So one life to live. Huh? YOLO, but in Christ lah. In Christ lah. YOLO in Christ. So, let me close with this challenge, those at home, those here. The first challenge actually is the call to carry your cross and follow Jesus. Otherwise, everything else is meaningless. And maybe for some of you, Jesus may be asking, hey, you carry your cross recently or not? Because in a sense, it's something you do every morning you wake up. I die to false, I embrace Christ. It's not something that you did at your salvation, uh, revival meeting, but it's a daily thing. In fact, Luke puts it out, carry your cross daily, is what Luke says. So maybe some of you, it's not so much rushing into the question of vocation, but God is saying, uh, you carry your cross recently or not? Huh? Have you surrendered to me? Make room in my life, so you can do what you want to do. The song was so powerful. For some, you already know, like I said, but you're resisting, and I pray that God will give you deep, 
assurance that He has your best interest at heart all the time. If you pursue your calling, it is not to your detriment. It will be your best life. Maybe today you will say, yeah, I know actually roughly what I want. God wants me to do, but I've been pushing it. Today I say yes. Some want to know, you're not quite sure. And I want to tell you, you're saved by grace. So don't get burdened or anxious or what. But begin the journey, Lord. Say, Lord, show me. Uh, I, I, my life is yours. What do you want me to do? Huh? And then through solitude and community, we grow in the journey lah, of getting greater clarity. Lah. So let me pray for you, then I will give the time back to the worship team. Father, we rejoice again that you are a God of love. Everything flows out of your love. You love this broken world, and you love your people, and you want your people to be channels of your love to a broken world. But you're, Lord, you're not into mass production. You, you delight in diversity, and each of us have different assignments, different gifts, different burdens. I pray, O oh God, that for each of us, we will indeed take up our cross daily and on a journey of gaining greater clarity of what you want us to be and to do that we may live this joyful life following you, O oh God. Teach us, O oh Lord, day by day that you have our best interests at heart. That following you is not to our detriment. It is our best life. And give us the courage and the faith to embrace that. For I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.